Hello, I'm Boyan Fierst. <laughs> and I'm Rebecca Caho, and you're listening to Rural Roots. And the sound of the Christmas bells. <laughs> this is a Harry Center show that asks, what is Ruro in the 21st century? And we are pretty excited about what time of year it is. Yeah, it's almost Christmas. And you can kind of feel it in the air. Everybody's getting really relaxed. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I know the students here at Memorial University are in exam time and probably the last thing is that they're feeling right now is relaxed, but I'm very relaxed by the fact that they're all in the library studying. <laughs> I think they're almost done. Are they almost done? They must be they nearly should done. Be almost it's time done. for them to all go home. I Enjoy some time with their families. <laughs> I'm teaching one class this semester and I still have one paper to correct. But uh, other than that, I think I'm on top of it for once. Yeah. So we thought, okay, it's this time of year. This is a show that is dedicated to asking, what does it mean to be rural in the 21st century? And when we say rural, we're not just talking about southern rural. We're talking about being in a rural place in the north. Far north. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to do something kind of cool. We decided that we we're going to take you, our listeners, for a trip north to visit and learn from some of the folks who live, work, and play all the way in Pang, Nunavut. We are going to hear about what it's like to go to school and teach in Canada's north. And we'll hear from a whole bunch of students and one teacher, Johnny Lush. Uh, so you met Johnny some time ago. Yeah, actually, Johnny and I met through our uh, shared hobby of film photography. He was in town and he's a Newfoundlander and uh, he heard about me and the fact that I have access to a proper darkroom at the College of the North Atlantic. And uh, we spent some time developing film together in the darkroom. And that process can be a bit time consuming <laughs> and there is not much to do while you're waiting for it to finish. Um, so we chatted and he had this awesome story to tell about spending a year teaching in Peng. And I thought, hey, this would make a great Rural Roots episode. So we met in Broken Books bookstore downtown St. John's um, just the day before he left for his second year of teaching in Peng. And we had this great conversation about living in Canada's north. And it turned out he's quite a storyteller. Yeah, like he's Newfoundlander or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then we thought it would be fun if we asked Johnny to record some of his students and to share some of those recordings with us. Which he did. And what you're going to hear for the next 30 minutes or so is that interview I did with Johnny in St. John's and a whole bunch of his students, just short little clips. And they're going to be doing things from telling us about where they live, the things they care about, to sharing some of their talents. And some throat singing as well. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. So here is Johnny interview. I'm Johnny Lush, and I'm a teacher in Paniktok, Nunavut. Well, the way it's spelled is P-A-N-G... N-I-R-T-U-N-G. So people will often say like Pang Nir Tong or pretty much everyone just calls it Pang and local people call it Pang as well. And I try to say it, but it's uh, it's obviously an inutitut word. It means um, home of the bull caribou, but I think it's Panyak Tok. That's my best shot at it. Hello, my name is Steven and I'm from Pengertang. I love to go hunting for our community. We provide food in this community and we love it. It's incredible. You fly in on this little plane and the whole city is kind of built 
well, city, town, is built in a fjord. And so you're constantly looking at these this huge mountain range. It's right outside of a um, national park called Oyuitak, which has all of these huge, huge mountains in it. And the fjord itself is spectacular. Like, it's absolutely incredible. And you become conditioned to it, but you don't. Because every single day, from every view, you know, you see kids running around and playing and hanging out. But you just always see this giant, beautiful mountain range in the background, just kind of with this very nice um, water or ice, depending on when flowing through. It's pretty incredible. Big bonfire on the ice. Big bonfire on the ice. School after noon. And at 1.30 we go down to the ice. And it's on New Year's. Some of the teachers are scheduling. The school that I teach at is actually from grade six from grade six to grade 12 and the upstairs is the high school and the downstairs is essentially grade six to grade nine and I teach from grade seven to grade nine so sometimes you will have like grade seven and eight as a combined class but there's actually it's a very young population in the town so we have a, a lot of students actually and um, from from my classes, anywhere between 12 to 20 students. Nunavut is a relatively new place, right? So, I mean, you have atlases in your classroom that literally don't have Nunavut on them sometimes, you know, some of the resources. And it's, it is that new, and so the, the policies and the programming is also very new. So there is a lot of um, wiggle room for doing um, new ideas and teaching new curriculum and inventing curriculum. Something that's a real highlight is that um, we're allowed to do a lot of things outdoors and a lot of um, kind of curriculum that is built around your environment. So for science, it was always really fun because we would go out and we would you know, maybe forage for a bunch of plants and then study them. And it was plants that we were trying to categorize and understand so then we could actually pick them and find where we found them and how they interact with each other. And And then you get a lot of folklore and you get a lot of information about those plants and the students actually know way more than you do. They say, oh, eat this one, it tastes bitter. And oh, you eat this one, but only if you're sick. And this one is a nice tea and all of this kind of stuff. And you hear all sorts of you learn a great deal from your students in that way, and they love to teach you. And then you kind of use those same um, plants that you can collect and then make art out of it or draw them. And then you've got this folklore element, and you can kind of tie it all together, and there's lots of um, cross-curricular fun stuff that you can do. Hi, my name is Philip. I don't, I don't like it silent. Is it true? Yeah. Suma? I don't like science and, 
laugh. Everything basically south of Nunavut is referred to as the south. And so you get used to that. And honestly, when I came back, I was referring to everything as the south. And people thought it was this kind of act. And I was like, oh, no, I honestly just got used to it because it's, uh, it's, it's oh, you're going south. Okay. Well, while you're in the south, could you pick me up such and such a thing? so I can fix my skidoo, or all of these kinds of things that are very difficult to come by. But it's, the, the South is kind of this grandiose term for all things non-Nunavut, and a lot of behaviors as well are kind of uh, Southern practices. And, and you start to become very aware of certain things that you do that are different. Um, one really big overarching thing that is very customary is sharing and sharing almost everything. So everything that you have is kind of a shared resource. And so if you ever try and be like, no, 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 that belongs to, you know, you pass out, say, so many pencils. And then suddenly someone has three pencils and you say, oh, no, well, that pencil belongs to him. No, no, no. That's not how we do things. We share. Like, well, you're taking from someone else. No, 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 you don't understand. Oh, okay. Okay, and you just step back and you say, you're right, you're right, I don't. <laughs> That's just my, uh, my ownership thing that I'm, that I'm caught up in. But it's, it becomes pretty, you become aware of it. <laughs> It's, well, the community itself is extremely um, welcoming and em embracing. So when I arrived, I was lucky enough to, if you're interested in doing things that people who live there are interested in, then you get invited to do cool things. And you get invited to go, um, like I very quickly got a skidoo. How are you? Hey, buddy. Sure. Which kind of welcomed, which allowed me to go skidooing and allowed me to make friends and do that kind of thing so because a lot of things are not in the town a lot of things are on the land and the land is um, very important and valuable and therapeutic for the the people who live there people see the land as almost a place um, of healing and of of therapy both physically and and mentally so on the weekends it's encouraged and almost like pushed that you should go out on the land and if you're not feeling well it's because you've been cooped up in in town for too long and you need to get out there and see the sights and maybe uh hunt something or fishing season it's in the summer and winter but it's better in the winter it's more fun it takes so long on Skidoo to go to Opatatu, but the best part is go to spring camp with classes. One activity I got really into was uh, going to the fishing lake. So the fishing lake is, we started going in January when it was still like minus 40 outside me and uh, a couple of my friends and it would kind of shift who wanted to go all the time but 
you would follow out these really cool women, especially the first few times, and they would have like these like polar bear pants and these amazing outfits for keeping warm and you were kind of like bundled up in like four wool sweaters in this parka just trying to like stay warm but um then you go basically up for an hour or so to um the fishing lake and then you have a giant auger and you dig a hole and you kind of just it's more like jigging than anything and um i got really into that so basically the first fish or after, once you start getting hungry, you take a fish very, very freshly caught. And as soon as, because as soon as you take it out, very quickly it's frozen. So you don't have to do anything. It just has died because it's that cold. And so they like to get a fish before it freezes and chop it up and throw it on a Coleman stove into a, to make a soup. But the soup is always, uh, it's char that you're fishing for, Arctic char. And you chop up the char into steaks and you throw it in with uh, with Lipton chicken noodle soup, and that is like a very like classic on the land meal. You throw the whole thing in, and you boil it, and then you just dump it on the snow, and you start eating it right away before it also freezes. And it's all it's just this whole thing, and you become very a part of it, and. It's very quiet and there's nothing around. You can't hear anything. And then suddenly like, woohoo, like someone's gotten one and everyone's, yeah. Or the really serious people make no sound at all. And they just pull out the fish and they say, okay, yes. And some people will pull out many, many fish. There's, there's one woman in particular that we would go out with. And one time she caught, I think, like 36 fish or something. But then again, like I was saying with the sharing, she would catch that. She would keep a small number and then share. She would give them to her family or to the elders. And there's actually like a kind of like a drop-off place where you can bring things so that they're distributed to the elders appropriately. One, two, three, four. To be afraid of anything cause you're brave, you're brave You don't need a hand more, just find your inner beauty, find your confidence You have one thing, two things, three things I love about you The first thing is that you are brave the second thing is that you have confidence the other thing is that you have pride inside of you do what you want do everything with love You don't have to be afraid of anything cause you're brave, you're brave. I do love in my community the level of Inutitut that is spoken all the time and that is worked into everything and we try to um, 
encourage as much Anuttattu to be spoken as possible in the classroom. And that's really cool. I do really, really like that. The, the school functions in a very progressive way, in a very like alternative way, where teachers and students interact in a very, very calm way. It's not as authoritarian as a lot of schools in the South. It's very, um, like shared learning in a big way. And students will, you know, joke with you all of the time and all of this kind of stuff and tell you that you act like this or tell you that this about yourself. And you're learning a great deal about yourself every day. And you become a bit of a laughing stock with certain things that you do. And they're like, oh, you always do this. And you you know, man, I do. Like, you're absolutely right. Like, that I, uh, that I use my hands a lot. That I have these hand gestures. And they always make fun of me. And I, I guess in Radio Land you won't see it. But I, it's true. And that, uh, that I say things like, it's true all the time. And they're like, ah. Oh. One big one that I had to come to terms with, actually, because it started to become uh, problematic was um, my sense of humor revolves around um, sarcasm a lot of the time. And not in a, in a harsh, like cruel way, but uh, I would joke about things that weren't necessarily true. And I would say things that were... And very quickly, one student in particular, who was quite a force, would say, you lied, you're a liar. And I, would, I was like, no, 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 I'm not lying. But I realized that there's that there's one kind of word in Anuttatut, it's salugama. It means I'm joking, but I'm joking is essentially the same thing as I'm lying. I'm kidding. They all kind of mean, they all kind of have the same word. So a lot of things are very literal and a lot of things are said. I mean, a lot of people make great jokes and everyone's very, very funny. But that style of joking where you say things that aren't necessarily true isn't all that common. So you kind of have to start thinking like, okay, my students don't think that's funny. They're not going to think that's a joke. They think that I'm just saying things that aren't true all the time and that that's not a good practice for a teacher. So I quickly had to start like working through that. And, and it's hard when you have such a casual relationship. But my jokes um, had to change. And I had to stop uh, joking around so much because it wasn't really joking. It was the same as kidding or lying, and that can be a problem. So this year they got 4G in my community, so they significantly increased the speed of the internet. Um, but when they did that, they did increase the cap, I think, a little bit, but not very much. So the cap per household, or per modem at least, is 20 gigabytes a month. So for me, I have two roommates, so there's three of us in our household, and we have 20 gigabytes per month of usage, which if you try to stream anything or I don't know, it's probably like three movies on Netflix or something like that. And it's pretty um, challenging. So you have to be very careful of your data consumption. Um, 
and at the school we have unlimited um, internet but there are a lot of blockages and a lot of websites are blocked especially anything about like YouTube or a lot of um, a lot of potential educational resources I guess because of their bandwidth usage are blocked by the Nunavut government so that can be really challenging because there's a lot of really good resources out there that would be great and that are sometimes created specifically for teaching indigenous youth but we can't actually access them at school because of these kinds of overarching um, blockages. I'm downloading music and downloading a lot of programs for in my classroom and also trying to keep my finger to the pulse of what my students might like to watch if we were to have like a Friday movie night or something like that because you have a lot of uh, you try and have fundraisers every now and again for different kinds of things and uh, yeah trying to get that and it's it's really funny how um, how that limited access influences what students do have access to in the way that sometimes a student will literally have a like a data stick or something mailed up from a friend in the south maybe someone in Ottawa or something like a family member and then that data stick or that data at least will travel all over town so all the kids will know the same movies and they'll listen to a lot of the same albums and sometimes there'll be you know a weird b-side track by this band that you're like oh I know that I've never even heard that song and everybody knows it very well because it was just one of these songs that kind of made it and everybody has it like Despacito for example by Justin Bieber was a big hit in my town and I heard it the one way that there is a lot of um, connection is through sports teams so you'll have students go to like volleyball tournaments which is huge huge sport in my community at least volleyball and they really love badminton as well and it kind of varies but um, sports are one way that there's a lot of um, inter-town travel and you'll get people flying tremendous distances to represent their community at a sports event. There's a big skidoo race from Michalowit to Kimarut and back. And it's, it's like the, I don't know, it's like NASCAR or something. It's this huge event and people are talking about it all year. And it's literally across the sea ice and it's very, very dangerous. And the people who race and win are very well regarded. Like, oh yes, it was it was Wayne's father that won this year, or came second place. And here's why. And I was watching, but you can't really watch because it's just like, like this. Just 
you're in the middle of the ocean essentially and then they're gone and then you wait for them to come back like a few hours later or something. Stuff like that, that brings people together from across the north. It's kind of like a lottery and you won't necessarily get your license. But from what I understand, um, communities in the north essentially do the same thing, but for a license to hunt bowhead whale. And so not necessarily everybody will get one. And this year, my community did get one. So they were looking for one and then they finally got one. And I wasn't actually there for the hunting process but I did go out with some teachers and friends with a guide who took us out to this small traditional um, hunting grounds called Kekarten. And we got to watch the actual butchering of the whale. And there's this entire process where they hunt it and they drag the whale onto the beach at high tide and tie it down and then wait till low tide the following day to start taking it apart because the tide is extremely extreme uh, where we live, like huge, huge differences. So at low tide, they start dismantling and taking huge chunks. And the thing that people, that is most sought after is kind of the skin. It's uh, matok, matok, something like that. And it's very well liked for eating and and um, then the flesh underneath is used largely um, it's sometimes it's dried and almost made into like a whale jerky and stuff like that and then the baleen is used for making art and everything has a purpose everything has a but it was just this huge event and all sorts of people were there people are um, I think actually like dutifully employed as either hunters or people who are there to cook for everyone and you know there's children around and everybody's kind of working very hard but enjoying their work and it was just it's just such a, a huge beast and to see it being worked on by all of these people it was really really cool it was really interesting and they had such a connection to it it was like just this strong like respect for what they were doing. Another cool thing was that there had been these scientists that had been living in the community and they um, worked kind of side by side with the hunters to gather information about the whale. So the, the people let them have some of the skin samples and some of the fecal matter and all of these kinds of things that would be extremely valuable to a scientific researcher. So it was cool watching everyone kind of interact and they found the whole thing, the whole ordeal very funny that the scientists were very interested, especially with the fecal matter in particular. There had been like a whale poo specialist essentially and she was very overjoyed and all the guys found that extremely funny. It was kind of um, a multi-day affair and as soon as we landed, they were like, oh, you know, like, here's a really good chunk. Like, try some of this. And, oh, taste this. It's really good with soy sauce and stuff like that. I was like, oh, okay, cool. 
but then they would take almost like all of the meat and they had a big ceremony back in the town a few days later um, down in the harbor and they just put out these huge tarps and they were just heaping piles of of meat available to everyone and then a big ceremony to congratulate and thank the hunters and um, then everyone was like okay like grab a bag and just take as much as you like again the the sharing which was really cool and I had some in my freezer for quite a while and uh, right before we left we had our friend over for for dinner and we made kind of a, a soup with it and she was really excited that we still had some um, because it often goes really fast another time a friend of a friend was going through a hard time and my friend reached out to her because she knew he knew that she really liked to eat bowhead and was like I, I can get you some I know where there is some because I just had it tucked away in my freezer because I hadn't actually uh, indulged yet and uh, so I lent that and that was a really big deal they were very very happy and just access to that kind of um, it's called country food so anything that's like on the land, caught on the land, it. is like again very therapeutic, very um, good for you. Hi, my name is AJ. I'm a little. ale negilaga. Kisawak I'm a little milutik. I'm a little. Pagkatay ka lang ako ng pagkatingin ni. Ale negusok patunga. <laughs> you have a lot of students saying things about you that you can't understand. And that's, uh, you know, I welcome that because, you know, if I don't know what they're saying, sometimes students will be like, this is what they said. And you're like, oh, man, that's why. Come on. Give me a break. But it is... Um, it's challenging and it's difficult because everything you're teaching is essentially ESL to some degree. And it's definitely very um, tricky because some students excel in Anutatut and not so much in English, but the program is entirely in English. So, you know, it, it calls into play, you know, what our role is there and like what's going on. And. That I find to be um, difficult and troubling, but for me personally, um, something that I really value is like self-learning. And so for me, I feel like literacy in both Anutatut and English allows for self-learning. And if I can help students learn to read in English, then I'm not so essential as a teacher. Like students can pursue their own interests. They can read about things, anything, literally anything on the internet. So, and reading on the internet is fine in the North because it's not so much bandwidth. There is an institute programming and there are special um, programs that have been, that are implemented in the school to, um, for kind of Inuit values, and yeah, so those are those are all employed by local people from the community, um, many of which actually went to the Arctic College in Iqaluit and received the same 
kind of program is me is actually a four-year educational program which is and um, yeah there's some very very good prof uh, teachers in our school actually it's awesome and they teach in attitude and next year another thing that I'm really excited about actually is one of the um, one of the women who was kind of working in an administration role is coming back to the classroom and teaching Inutitut to our students in the junior high. So I'll get to work with her directly. And I worked with her a couple of times um, just learning Inutitut from her. And she is so good. Her mother was the old Inutitut teacher. And so she places a great, there's so much respect for this um, woman she actually passed. And she valued Inutitut so much and all of her her pupils um, kind of, she really pushed uh, an Inutitut kind of agenda. And her daughter, who is going to be teaching with us this year, um, is also very, very passionate about Inutitut, but also has a great deal of like background in linguistics and understanding like syntax and how it's all structured which is so cool so they can make so the students can make a little bit more of a connection between English and Inutitut because it's another alphabet it's totally different it's so different like for me uh, it's very challenging to learn so I can't imagine learning English and yeah it's it's tricky but wow that was a great interview boy and I wish I could have been there it was totally spur of the moment. Very cool. So after you did that interview, we said, we want to hear more from the kids. Absolutely. So we called Johnny and his students, and uh, we just wanted to see how they're doing and how they're getting ready for Christmas. Yep. So here's a bit of that conversation. It starts with the kids introducing themselves. My name is Jasmine. Hey, Jasmine. Hi. Hello. <laughs> My my name is Rhoda. Good to meet you, Rhoda. My name is Myra. Hey, Myra. Who else do we have there? So we also have <laughs> Evie and Sipula. And Sipula is one of the people that did the throat singing for you guys. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. We really enjoyed that. And we are going to use that in the episode. So you are going to be able to hear all of the clips that you recorded, guys, for us. Yeah. And we're going to um, we're going to share it with people all across Canada, too. So other people are going to hear what you had to say and they're going to hear the throat singing, too. Pretty cool, right? <laughs> yeah. Are you getting ready for Christmas? Yeah. What are you going to do? Tonight we're going to do concert for Aloki. For the other school. Oh. So will any of you be performing at the concert? We're, we're going to help with the little kids with fiddle and choir. Oh, that's cool. That's very cool. What songs will you sing with the choir? Um, I Am Home in Nunavut. Oh. Would you guys be able to sing that song for us now? Because I don't think I know that one. Maybe a little bit? Maybe just a little bit. Ay, ay, ay. 
Hey. Awesome. Beautiful. So if Rebecca and I came to Pang next week, where would you take us? Around town. Hmm. Yeah. KFC. Yeah, KFC. <laughs> Did you say KFC? Yeah. <laughs> so that makes me wonder, is that your favorite food or are there other foods that you're looking forward to eating over the holidays? I want Yum. And fruit cake and some Inuk food. What kind what? of Inuk foods will you eat? Probably fish and seal. Seal or, or caribou. Do you know how to prepare those foods, or is that something that someone else in your family usually does? Some, they, someone else in family. Mm. But I do fish. Oh, you do fish. But some kids, yep. When was the last time you went fishing? Oops. Um, spring this, camp. Me summer. This summer. This Just summer. summer. Mm-hmm. Right. So, What's spring camp, guys? Spring camp is where students get to go fishing, fishing camping, camping, or a day a class for what a day for each class. Hunting too. Yeah, and hunting too. And who do you go with? Teach. Videos. <laughs> and elders, right? And, and elders. elders. Yeah, I can't imagine that Johnny is a very good hunter. <laughs> you're, you're right. I'm not very good at fishing either. But I can skidoo. Can he skidoo? Yeah. 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 Slowly. 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 Not even. Do you skidoo fast? Yeah. 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 Fish. Fish. Very. Very. (laughs) We do Christmas games when it's Christmas. It's going to start... On twenty-six. What kind of game? Yeah, because on Christmas. Oh. We do all sorts of games, like number dance, like number dance, or Inuit dance. Inuit dance. Inuit games. Yeah, Inuit games. And what are some of the Inuit games you like? It's and what are you doing? What is that, guys? You have a partner. You hold her right right hand. Then you the music starts. You you go grab grab (laughs) grab other person's hand. And then when the music stops, that that who you're holding hands with is your partner. Then they're going to tell you what to do. 
like um, piggyback, <laughs> and then you have to piggyback your partner. The last person lose. The last, yeah, the last person. What happens if uh, if your partner turns out to be way bigger than you? <laughs> <laughs> Does that ever happen? You just try. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You just try. <laughs> We're going to do Santa Parade too for Christmas. Mm. Ah. This, this Friday. This Friday. Bing. This Friday. Bing. Santa Parade. Yeah, that's a very short trip for Santa, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> you guys ever sew? Yeah. yeah. I'm making a hockey sock. I'm making a um, wallet out of seal skin. I'm making mitts. Cool. How did you learn to sew? My grandma taught me. My sewing teacher taught me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, my, me, the sewing teacher, and my grandma. Do you play cards at all? Yeah. Yeah, I play cards with my dad and my brother mostly. What kind of games? Really what games do you like best? It's a hot dog. A hot dog. A hot dog. Oh, I don't know that one. You guys notice that up here there's special rules for all the games? <laughs> like when I'm trying to play any kind of game, like even checkers, sometimes it'll be very different, and I'll be like, oh, that, I don't think that's how it works. I'm like, no, this is Inuk checkers. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> when we were Monopoly, remember you were telling yeah. me all the new rules from Monopoly? Loans? <laughs> <laughs> you can just get a loan if you run out of money. They just give you all your money back. It's really nice. That's good. That's how it should be, really. <laughs> we don't only go fishing when we go on the boat, we also go hunt for seals. Right. And when we go out boating, we go on the land, and some sometimes we go look for rabbits. Ah. And we go berry picking during the summer. What kind of berries do you pick? Crowberries. Crowberries and blueberries. Mm. Different kind of blueberries. Right. (laughs) (laughs) I think we covered a lot of topics. We did. We did. (laughs) Thank you so much for chatting with us. Thanks, guys. You've been great. Merry Christmas. Bye-bye. Happy New Year. (laughs) Bye. Bye. That was so much fun. And we couldn't play the whole thing, but we talked about so much. Um... Lots of sharing of memories of Christmas, of what they like to do in the community. Um, we also talked about music quite a bit, and uh, a couple of cool girls in Nunavut who play bass. And we talked about fishing. Yep. And I know you like the girl who played bass. <laughs> <laughs> you know I love a girl in a rock band. <laughs> and I want to mention, too, that the music that was playing while Johnny's interview was playing, those were the students, and that's their music. They wrote it. They're performing it. It's awesome. Yeah. The singers, uh, you heard Jasmine, who wrote her own song and performed. We had Sheila and Sipula throat singing. And we also had Jasmine and Tasha throat singing for Mm -hmm. us. So neat. Yeah. So another thing that they liked to tell us about was the, um, the differences in terms of the amount of daylight 
uh, during the year and how much everyone loves the spring and the summertime when they can stay out in the daylight until two in the morning. There was some discussion of how late people were staying up and all of the kids, uh, all the students we talked to said they'd never stay up too late. But we suspected that maybe some of the classmates had. <laughs> yeah, and some of them said that they would never stay that late on a school day. But um, yeah, I suspected it would be hard not to stay out <laughs> in sunshine at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah, and they said they just love getting outside when it's like that. Yeah, it must be amazing. Yeah. But we do have to end this episode. We do. And, you know, we're about halfway through season two. Right. This is episode eight. Mm hmm. Uh, we covered a lot of ground. We talked with young farmers going back to lands. We did food waste, indigenous ethics. Community-based research, forestry, rural broadband. And curling, of course. Of course, curling. And Norm and Betty, yep. favorite people. Yep. Uh, we I have big plans for the... Uh, I did get to see Norm and Betty last week. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. And Norm says he's got some particularly special beer brewing too, so... Mm, <laughs> I totally think we need to do an episode on... Um, Rural beer brewing. We do, yeah. We do. It has to be like a tour of the brewers. So, and we have some interesting interesting things planned for the new year, too. One interesting one that you may not expect is farm video games. And we are going to talk to about some other more serious things, like opioid crisis. Yep. National um, parks. The fashion industry in rural places. That's going to be a great one. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to those episodes. Me, too. It's going to be fun. So, you've just listened to another episode of Rural Roots. And we talked to so many people in this episode. We talked to Johnny Lash, a teacher at Atagoyuk Ilisavik in Pang, Nunavut. And we heard from AJ, Jasmine, Sheila, Stephen, Rhoda, Tasha, Sipula, Myra, and Phoebe. And as always, Rural Roots is produced at the Leslie Harris Center of Regional Policy and Development at Memorial University of Newfoundland. And we do that at the CHMR Campus Radio. We produce this show in partnership with the Canadian Rural Revitalization Foundation and the Rural Policy Learning Commons Partnership. The show is funded through a Social Sciences and Humanities Research Council of Canada grant. You can hear us on our website at ruralrootspodcasts.com and that's rural R-O-U-T-E-S podcasts.com. And we are also available through your favorite podcasting app and on community and campus radio stations across the country. So our young friends in Pang told us that one of their favorite local musicians is Rita Clare or Reet. So we are going to end this episode with her song, Imiktak, which is a song about bringing water from the river for the elders. Hmm. I'm Rebecca Caho. And I'm Brian Fierst. Join us again in the new year, 2018. Here we go. Merry Christmas. And happy holidays. See ya. Bye.
Tam dejú.